Hi, and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, State Clerk of the EPC. We pray that God uses Dean and his guests to inform and inspire you about the EPC and how God is working in and through our global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian Churches. The motto of our family of congregations is, In Essentials, Unity, and Non-Essentials, Liberty. In all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you, Rachel Joseph. Another opportunity for us to sit together and have a conversation we call In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And thank you for joining us wherever you found your way to this podcast, whether it's on Podbean or any of your podcasting platforms, or maybe you just go to epc.org and download it there. However you find your way to this conversation, we're grateful that you're here. Thank you for the gift of your time, and thank you for being a part of the EPC family, whether you're officially part of an EPC church or you just are listening into these conversations, we consider you part of the family, and we're grateful that you join us every Friday as we drop an edition. The last number of weeks, we've been doing some best of podcasts from the last couple of years. We're coming up on our two-year and almost our 100-episode anniversary very soon and so that's a pretty special benchmark for us and so as we get closer to that we'll do a little more around our podcast and kind of do some reflections on that we've had a a podcast with the the three leaders two of the three leaders of our national leadership team which is actually where we started our podcast the very first one was all three of our leaders of our national leadership team moderator moderator elect and chair of council So we're trying to be reflective and look back with gratitude on all that God has done in these podcasts coming up on about 20,000 downloads, which is just humbling and stunning to me. But you're a big part of that. And you've been sharing it with others, putting it on social, spreading the word. I hear elders who share it with the other elders in their church and get them to listen. And hopefully it creates not only a greater connectedness to what's going on in the life of the EPC, but hopefully it there are conversations that will be a blessing and a a benefit to you. I think today's conversation will be an encouragement and that you'll meet a new member of the EPC family. Carolee Richendaller is the new director of EPC's Benefits Resources, Inc., and she works alongside of Bart Francisconi and Kathy Flores and Rachel Joseph, who does the introduction to this podcast. And we even have a new person, Savannah's brand new, coming into the BRI family. But Carol Lee brings a lifetime of experience in both human resources, healthcare, just a variety of things that are communications background that helps so much with what we're trying to do in BRI. And you're going to meet her today and learn a little bit more about her and about Benefits Resources, Inc., the benefits part of the EPC. So Carol Lee, welcome to In All Things. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. It's a great to have you here. And we're looking forward to you getting to know her and uh, learning more about BRI as well. But first, I want to share with you that today's episode of In All Things is brought to you by Benefits Resources, Inc. BRI is a wholly owned subsidiary of EPC, Inc. And it provides both health care and retirement benefits for all the members of the EPC family that are pastors and can extend to staff and employees of EPC churches as well as many do. From the very earliest days of the EPC back in the early 1980s, 
the General Assembly determined, uh, that's our largest, most inclusive governing body, the highest court of the church, that our pastors, as well as our global workers, our church planners, our chaplains, all those who are on the front line of ministry should be provided for and cared for well, including their health care. And for many years, we had a, a benefits committee of the General Assembly, and for reasons of uh, fiduciary responsibilities and liability protections, and as the healthcare industry itself has developed and as investments have changed over the years, it was the wisdom of the Assembly to create Benefits Resources, Inc. as its own subsidiary corporation. So it's part of the EPC, but there's enough separation there to protect the EPC in the event of anything happening or protecting your retirement investments in the event of something happening. So all of that is to say we've taken prudent, good stewardship measures to provide health care and retirement benefits for all of the people who are on the front line of working for the gospel. And I'm telling you, we're about the only denomination, at least our size, that has such a thing. Most most churches are left to go on their own to go out and find health care for their pastors and their families. But we have a program that is, first of all, it's ethical. The things that are involved in BRI, uh, the things we invest in, are all consistent with our Christian faith and don't support things that would be not consistent with our Christian faith. And so as a pro-life organization, for example, our health care doesn't cover the cost of abortions. But beyond that, it's also a self-funded plan, which means we all kind of help each other in this. And when people are involved, it helps others who are involved. It's kind of the the playing out of Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, where they have these things in common so that nobody goes without, and nobody should go without health care and good financial planning and retirement benefits, which has been stipulated by our Constitution and is carried out uh, through the General Assembly's creation of BRI. So that's a little bit of background to BRI, but let's get to know our new director of BRI. Carolee, tell us a little bit about where you grew up, a little bit about your faith, and we really are curious about how you got into this part of the healthcare industry that's kind of led you to us in BRI. So just give us a little bit of your, your story, if you would. Well, I am the product of an Army relationship from way back when. My dad was in Germany where he met my mom. So did you grow up all over the place? Only a little bit, because once my older brother became school age, it was made a decision to settle down so that he could go to school and I could go to school and we wouldn't be subject to that military brat lifestyle. Uh, Okay. And so where did you grow up then? So I grew up in Lakeland here in Florida. Oh, so you're a native Florida woman. As close as you can get. You don't find a lot of those. Usually everybody is from somewhere, but you're actually from here. Pretty much. Yeah. My my husband is actually born here in Orlando, so he's even more native than I am. Wow. Okay. But my dad grew up I'm curious, what's the difference between a native Orlandian Orlandian or Orlando... I'm not sure how you say it. I don't either. <laughs> can can he point to differences between people who are from here and people who have moved here? I don't think so. I think if you're born in Orlando, you're a, just a native Floridian. Okay. You know, I, the biggest thing might be your connection to certain businesses here in the area. Gotcha. But other than that, we're all Floridians. So. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. So I'm a relatively new Floridian, but mm-hmm. uh, I appreciate that. So so you grew up in this area. Tell us a little bit more. Well, like I said, I grew up in Lakeland, a small town. 
compared to Orlando. Orlando was always the big city to go to. Uh-huh. And I had the typical growing up in, in a small town. I always like to joke that the street I grew up on was between a cow pasture and a trailer park. Okay. So I was very rural. Hmm. Graduated from the local high school, Go Big Red, <laughs> Kathleen High School. Okay. And, you know, started my journey on higher education. Met my husband and stopped my journey on higher education. I think that's where I kind of fell into the healthcare industry because I actually worked with my mom at a small psychiatric hospital. Yes. So I like to tell people I met my husband at a psych hospital. Okay. I was the receptionist. He installed a new phone system. I said, I'd do anything for a new phone system. So he married me. <laughs> <laughs> well, be careful what you ask for. Right. right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So from there, we moved into the metro Orlando area, into an apartment in Altamont. Started our family, moved out to Deltona. We lived there for about nine years. During that time, I was able to stay home with our children, homeschool them. I was thinking about it this morning, and my husband and I have always been on the same plane when it came to what we wanted for our children. And I mean, even before we were married, we were talking about me staying home and homeschooling. And so we were able to instill our faith in our children through homeschooling and using a curriculum that was what we wanted to impart to them as opposed to just throwing them to the wolves at the public school level. So did you homeschool all the way through or did you up to a point? I homeschooled them up to the beginning of middle school because that's when they started getting into algebra and that was that's where right. my, I had to yeah. draw the limit. Beth <laughs> and I did the same thing. We, we homeschooled, well... They went to a little Christian school for a while, like kindergarten and stuff. And then we homeschooled up through uh, seventh or eighth grade. And mm-hmm. then they were at a Christian high school for a while. And then mm-hmm. we were called to a new church and the Christian high school was really small. We ended up in a public school at that point. And mm-hmm. uh, so our kids have had small Christian school, homeschool, large Christian school, public school. Mm-hmm. So I think we hit the gamut uh, on that. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely experience some social transitions when they hit the public school sector and many times even in high school they had asked me you know i really wish you would have taken us all the way through high school right. with homeschooling i was like yeah but i couldn't do the higher level math i had no resources available it's like right. i had to make some sacrifices there but we felt confident that we had instilled good foundation in their younger years so they made good choices when they were in high school yeah so now let's get back to the healthcare field so after the psychiatric hospital as a receptionist, <laughs> you've had quite a career in healthcare mm-hmm. and that's led us here. So help people listening in to get a little bit of a taste of your resume, if you will. So when we, we moved out of Deltona to a little town just above Atlanta for a little while. And when we came back to Orlando, we put the kids in the public school and then it became time for me to go back into the working world. And of course, there's always a lot of prayer and in any changes in your life that you want to make. So I just always asked the Lord to put me where I needed to be because I needed to have flexibility and be able to still be very strongly involved in my children's education. And a part-time job was the first step. And I started with a small third-party administrator company that had been founded by a gentleman who He was an insurance agent and he worked with self-funded employers, offering them a platform to pay their claims and such. And so I started there actually 
learning more about administration of benefits. I started as the eligibility enroller and COBRA coordinator, you could say. I didn't pay claims, never got into paying claims. Not, not, my, not my joy there. Uh-huh. No, so. no. You used the term third-party administrator mm-hmm. before, and that's one of those terms that is used a lot inside the industry. But for mm-hmm. those who are listening in who don't know what that means, could mm-hmm. you explain what a third-party administrator is? So it's basically an outsourced service. So, for example, with the BRI being a self-funded plan, we don't have anybody here in-house to actually pay the claims. So we outsource to a third-party administrator. Okay. So that's how all the claims get paid. Right. It's a very effective model. I oftentimes tell people the Office of the General Assembly is a lean, mean, missional machine. (laughs) I mean, there are, I think, 21 of us, including World Outreach, including BRI. So it's not a large staff for a national organization. In BRI, you basically, there's, there's four of you that are down the hall and you've got 600 some odd churches. So you can't possibly pay claims and right. do all of that. So it's a, it's a very good stewardship to outsource things like that to third parties because it helps up keep the cost down mm-hmm. and be more efficient. Right. And you don't have to have every specialty in your house. Right. I mean, just if you think about your own home, we, we don't all have that plumber in the house. We don't all have the electrician. So we have to outsource it. And right. so that's what a TPA is. It's a provider that you can use for their specialties. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how did you find your way to BRI and the EPC? Well, I moved on after that company closed because the owner unfortunately passed away. And I was driven to a company, again, through prayer, to another third-party administrator that administered benefits for self-funded plans, as well as for other employers. So my knowledge continued to grow. I continued to educate myself. I got certified in employee benefits. I got my degree and started seeing things happening within that company that I felt were not the place I wanted to be, knowing where I wanted to go as far as being able to retire and be comfortable and secure. And, you know, marketplaces change. So businesses are driven by that. So much. And so I started kind of looking to see what was out there. And I knew I didn't want to go in a certain direction. And then you know, I kept an eye on all the jobs postings that were out there. And I saw the one for BRI. And as I read through it, I almost felt like it was written for me. Wow. Everything on it. The only exposure that I didn't have was with the retirement plans. But I, in my certification, I had learned about them. And so I knew I could learn more. No, I'm confused, though, because your last name is Rich in Dollar. And so, I mean, I think part of uh, thinking and hiring someone to help with our retirement plan who is Rich in Dollar, uh, that would have been part of it. But you, you tell me there's a qualification to your last name, Rich in Dollar. <laughs> my husband always reminds people that it does not have an S on the end. So it's not Rich in Dollars. It's just nope. a dollar. Okay. We've got our dollar. (laughs) All right. Well, we have to be good, prudent investors of that dollar. Yes, exactly. Good. Yeah. I just, uh, I felt like this is where I needed to be. And I applied for the job. I had a call from the recruiter. We had a very long, wonderful conversation and things just progressed forward in a very comfortable and confident manner for me. Yeah, I can say from the inside, you're exactly what we were hoping for. The skill set that you bring, your temperament, your personality, your background, experience, all of that 
is such a great fit for where we are as our benefits grow and we hope to better serve all of our congregations and pastors. So we're blessed by you being here and we're grateful that the Lord has directed your path toward us. Thank you. So what surprised you now that you've been here, you started what you've been with EPC about two months? One month. One month. Today is actually my one month anniversary. Congratulations. That's why we had (laughs) the donuts down the hall. That's right. The donuts were for your one month anniversary. Yeah. We'll have to remind Rachel. That's what was behind her bringing those donuts this morning. What have you learned in the month and what has surprised you and any takeaways from one month in? I mean, I love the fact that when, and we've had a number of new people come into the office here recently and they bring fresh perspective and they bring objectivity and they see things that some of us who've been around a while go, huh, never really noticed that before. And they bring new ideas Mm -hmm. and it, it kind of infuses us with some real energy in life. So what have you noticed upon your first month here? Well, I do have to say that the way things are are set up are very different from what I have done in the past because of the fact that in my previous administration, it was always other companies that I was working with. Right, but this is our company. And this is our company. You're doing self-funded, which is your area of expertise, Right. but you're not serving other groups, you're serving your group. Exactly, exactly. I guess as far as what's surprising is the amount of energy that BRI is willing to put into wellness and in, in general. I know, you know, I've re- read many, many articles about the importance of wellness, well-being, whole person well-being, but within the organizations that I was serving in the past, I didn't see a whole lot of actionable items for that. And I see that BRI has a lot of programs in place and a lot of energy and willingness to work on that and invest in that as opposed to just offering health insurance. Right, right, right. That makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. I'd like to drill down on that a little bit if we could, because I think that's maybe one of the under-celebrated parts of BRI, because you think about benefits and you think about, Mm -hmm. I go to the doctor, you know, what's my copay and, oh, we have Meritane and that's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And of course your retirement benefits and how that works and when you retire and the tax-free stuff and pastors, I mean, there's all kinds of things around that. Mm-hmm. But the wellness piece, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the business side, it's it's smart business, right? Mm-hmm. Because the healthier our people are, the mm-hmm. less claims we have, the the lower the cost, uh, everybody wins, right? Mm-hmm. So it's yep. from a business perspective, it's a smart business model and, and Bart's brilliant. Okay. in terms of trying to look at ways in which we can be good stewards of our resources. But for him and, and now for you and for BRI, it, it really is more than that. It's about the individual and the family and caring for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't often think of that from a business standpoint, but this is about how do we care for our pastors mm-hmm. and their families mm-hmm. and we want them to be well. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the wellness initiatives, some of the things that people might be surprised to hear are available uh, to them or incentives that are available to them. Mm-hmm. Anything that you could give us some insight on in terms of the wellness initiatives inside of BRI? Well, I haven't learned all the details yet, but I can tell you that there are. Come on now, you've been here a month. <laughs> How do you not know all the wellness initiatives after a month? Well, I know which ones they're available, but I don't remember I exactly all the details. I know, I'm just so. teasing you. <laughs> we do have some chronic care programs. So for those people who are uh, dealing with diabetes, high blood pressure, 
And that's huge. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, that's huge. And, it's, and it's on the rise, and not just for people in general, but people in our plan. Exactly. Those numbers are actually on the rise. Mm-hmm. In the whole world because of all the stressors that people yeah. are dealing with and the, the lifestyles that people are living. And as pastors, we're worrying about other people constantly. Right. And so these programs are designed to bring that focus back onto your own health. So right. there are coaches and there are apps and there are things out there to help keep you on track with caring for your own conditions. Yeah, and it's it's kind of, I always think of it, Carolee, as like the flight attendant on the plane who reminds you that you got to put the mask on yourself before you put it exactly. on your child, which is kind of counterintuitive. You know, mm-hmm. you think, oh, I should put it on the child first. But if you don't put it on yourself first, you're not available to, to take care of the child. Right. And pastors, as people who I think you well said, mm-hmm. are, are all about caring for other people, sometimes do so at the expense of caring for themselves. Yep. But if they don't care for themselves, they really won't be in a position to mm-hmm. care for other people. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things, those who are listening into our podcast who have a heart for your pastor, you might look into some of these wellness initiatives at mm-hmm. BRI and encourage your pastors to take advantage of those resources that are provided for them, not just so that, you know, they can save money, but, but so they can be well, well mm-hmm. and enable them to care for others. Right. I think traditionally we always think of moms and, yep. you know, moms put out every bit of energy for themselves and then they don't take care of themselves. And then when they do crash, it's always so hard for the family and we have to remember that pastors, fathers, there, there are other caretakers out there that are expending all of their energy to take care of other people. And it's important that we remind ourselves that we have to take care of ourselves. Yeah. So bottom line is the people who take care of other people need to take care of themselves. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a good word. In fact, I think if someone is listening in today, maybe that's the word you're intended to hear. And maybe that's the reason why Carolee was on this podcast today, because that's a that's a good takeaway for us to remember, both for ourselves and hopefully for our pastors, our global workers and chaplains. So what would you want people to know? If someone's listening in, they're an EPC member, uh, or maybe they're a pastor, a family, what would you want them to know about BRI that you would hope you could impress upon them that they would come away saying, huh, I didn't appreciate that about the PC's benefits plan, or I didn't fully understand it. Because we have a number, I mean, a good percentage of our people are not in Mm -hmm. the benefits plan, even though the acts of the assembly, the EPC has a constitution, right? Just like the United States has a constitution, Mm -hmm. a little polity lesson here. Our constitution is made up of a book of government, a book of worship, a book of discipline, and the Westminster Confession of Faith and our essential tenets, right? That's our constitution, like the U.S. has a constitution. Mm -hmm. But then the General Assembly passes things called acts of the assembly, which are like the way Congress passes laws. And those are the ways in which we govern ourselves in alignment with the principles of the constitution. Mm -hmm. And then we actually have a court system, we probably didn't know this, in the Presbyterian Church, it's called the Permanent Judicial Commission, who looks at those acts of the assemblies and says, yes, those are constitutional just like our courts in the United States can declare if a a law passed by Congress is in fact consistent with the Constitution. So we have all these acts of the assemblies. And since 1981, well, 83 really, since the the benefits was put in place, there are more than a dozen places where the highest court in the church, the General Assembly, has said 
you must be involved in our benefits program. Most of the stuff in the EPC is pretty voluntary and it's, it's pretty light in re- terms of requirements. There are a few places where there are requirements. This is actually one of them. And most people don't know that. That's one takeaway. Most people don't realize it's not supposed to be voluntary. It's actually required. And yet we have a decent percentage of churches and pastors who are not in the plan. Can you think of something that maybe would incentivize people to want to be in the plan or something maybe that they would be surprised to know about the plan or something that perhaps would help people understand why it's important to be in that together. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, I always look at like Acts 2 and Acts 4 and how the early church had everything in common and a self-funded plan. If someone's not in it, it actually adversely affects everybody else. Mm-hmm. And when they are in it, it actually helps everybody else. So mm-hmm. that was one of my surprises. I didn't realize that people not participating actually hurt the rest of us who are participating. And I, I didn't fully appreciate that. Well, it goes back to the their strength in numbers. Right. For me, if I were to, to try to, I guess, encourage someone to reconsider, I think a lot about you get what you pay for. Uh-huh. And also, as American citizens and paying taxes, we are paying for a lot of things that we don't want to be paying for. Right. And this is an opportunity for churches to know exactly what they're paying for. They may be paying a little more because again, you get what you pay for, but they have more control over what their money is going towards. Mm. That's an important point, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it depends on the area of the country, right? I mm-hmm. mean, what I encourage people to do is give us a shot at quoting you rates, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're coming up on that time of year now where open enrollment is coming and people will be looking at these things. There are some areas of the country where we're going to be better cost-wise than mm-hmm. what you've done. There are other places where we might be the same and some places where we might be more. Mm-hmm. But for the places where we're more, I think one of the things that people don't realize is that a lot of church finance committees, for example, they'll go to an insurance broker or they'll go out and shop for better insurance rates. Cause I mean, gosh, Insurance rates are the ones that go up so much mm-hmm. every year. I mean, it's it's every year you turn around and it's double-digit increases. Healthcare costs are just skyrocketing, and nobody needs me to tell them that. They all know that's mm-hmm. true. But when you go shopping all the time, oftentimes these insurance companies will give you like a good kind of entry rate mm-hmm. to get you in the door. Oh, yeah. But then they don't take into account like the ages of people and for example the more younger people typically that you have in a self-funded plan the lower the cost because they don't have as many claims Mm -hmm. typically and while you might be able to find a slightly better cost rate on year one at year two Mm -hmm. that typically goes up and now you're out shopping again Mm -hmm. and paying for a broker again and if you actually factor that in and a staff that has to continually change Mm -hmm. uh, medical providers we actually end up being a really good value Mm -hmm. to people. Right. A lot of times employers are looking at that bottom line and they're not realizing that every time they change insurances, they're changing networks, which means that their employees either have to ask their doctors to join this network or they have to change doctors. And one of the important things about good health care is building that relationship with your primary care doctor to make sure that, you know, you're with somebody who knows your history. So you don't have to keep repeating your history every time you turn around. And that's one of the big things about being self-funded is you can maintain those networks a lot better. 
and you can encourage your employees to build those relationships with the right providers. Right. I think our founders had a lot of wisdom in not only providing for and requiring health care for our pastors and global workers, but also creating a self-funded plan that would be ethical, mm-hmm. Christian. I love your comment about knowing where your money goes and being accountable to that, mm-hmm. um, being good stewards of that. But my takeaway from our conversation today, Carolee, is, is going to be really the wellness piece, mm-hmm. which is people who are caring for others need to be caring for themselves and they mm-hmm. need to be thinking about their retirement and mm-hmm. not waiting until they retire to do that. Exactly. They need to be thinking about their, their health. I really appreciate you reminding us of that today. My pleasure. Yeah, it's been lovely to have this conversation and maybe we'll have you and Bart back someday in the future to, to talk more about BRI. But for now, uh, fun to introduce you to the EPC family and uh, just thank you for being a guest on In All Things. Thank you for having me. Yep, it's been a delight. Well, my friends, that wraps up another edition of our conversations. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you didn't know about the benefits resources plan that the EPC offers, I hope this has helped you learn more. And you might want to maybe pass this podcast on to the HR department or the finance or personnel committee at your church or even on to your, your pastor so that they might be blessed to learn more about this important way in which the EPC seeks to care for our pastors, caring for those who are in the front line of caring for others. As we conclude, my friends, as we always do, we close with that good word from God's word from Colossians chapter one. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and therefore him. Speaking of our Lord Jesus, Paul continues by saying, he is before all things and in him all things. Our work, our play, our wellness and health care, our retirement, all things hold together. For he is the head of the body, the church. And that is our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name until the next time when we gather in this venue, I bid grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of the entire team, please join us for our next episode. For more information about the EPC, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.